This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Your home for the Oklahoma State Cowboys is the Blitz 1170. All right, welcome in. It's 114 here on the Blitz 1170. Hope that you've had a good day so far. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Tuesday, Valentine's Day. You just heard home for the Oklahoma State Cowboys tonight, 7 o'clock right here on the Blitz. We've got the broadcast, John and Dave. We'll take you through the pregame at 7 as Kansas heads to Stillwater to take on the red-hot Oklahoma State Cowboys, continuing to look to improve that tournament resume as they are red hot right now here in the Big 12 Conference. All right, we've got a busy show for you today, and we're not going to waste any time because we're going to get things started the right way on this Valentine's Day by welcoming in Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, cbssports.com, joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon on a Tuesday. Hope that you're doing well, and it's great to hear from you. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing quite well today. Um, I... I this all of this is fascinating with how quickly that this is starting to move now. Um, even though an agreement is set in place with Texas and OU and what they're um, leaving the Big 12 and heading to the SEC a year early means, it kind of sets in motion uh, a number of other things that are right now just kind of hanging out there. So I'll ask you, Dennis, I know that you had the update on the 9th of February about Big 12 continuing to eye further conference expansion. Does the release from the Pac-12 mean anything in terms of this that was sent out yesterday? Because Big 12 and their expansion kind of hinges on that new deal, allegedly, that the Pac-12 is is going to sign at some point. Yeah, no, it was really odd that it was sent out. It didn't really say anything, but a PR you know, release. It reminded me of uh, the last scene in in that uh, in uh, Animal House when Kevin Bacon's standing in the corner saying, "All is well." Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't panic. Everybody's running around. That, in fact, that's the meme I got from somebody I reached out to. They wasn't making this, and they sent me back that. I just laughed out loud. <laughs> so yeah, it's. I, I think they're. In, I think they're in a precarious situation. I think they know their product is undervalued or at least undervalued in terms of what they thought they could get. And they're trying to put a good face forward. I, I don't know who they were talking to yesterday because anybody in the media who follows this kind of knows what's going on. Um, all the people they're talking to as partners, it, it did them no good. Uh, I guess it's the fact that there, ha- there hasn't been any, really many public statements out of Pac-12 at all. That's the way they've chosen to, to do it since last July when they lost USC and UCLA. So, you know, I, I guess all is well. It's weird because the commissioner, their commissioner comes out and, and basically pounds the table and telling everyone, and may it's maybe it was more of trying to convince himself, Dennis, about, oh, great deals and have this and now fast forward and there's still nothing that's there. What has that done to membership inside the Pac-12 from anyone that you've talked to? Because at some point, he's got to lay all of his cards on the table and go, see, everything that I said is true. Yeah. That just hasn't happened yet. Did he shoot his mouth off too early? 
No, I think the fact that he hasn't been, and we're talking about George Kliadkoff, the commissioner of the PAC-12, the fact that he hasn't said more publicly, I think has led to a little bit of nervousness um, within the PAC-12. Obviously, they're getting one line of thinking from him and their media uh, consultant, who, by the way, I think it's called sports media consultants on the West Coast, but they've never done a media rights deal before. Uh, just FYI. Oof. So I think when you get one line of thinking, you want to, you know, get out there, you know, who are you going to call? You're going to call, call your friends in the Big 12. You're going to call the people you know in college athletics and see what's really going on. And so I, everything I can gather is this thing is really undervalued. They are going to be heavy on streaming. I don't know what platform. Uh, I, I had one person tell me today that he assumed that Amazon was out. And I said, well, wait a minute. If they're out, who's in? Because ESPN's not going to take all those games. They may take one. All they, all they need, they don't have any games in the fourth window, ESPN. That is that 1030 Eastern, Pac-12 after dark. Uh, they, don't, they don't have a partner there. They may take as many as one uh, every week to put there. And, and it, it would have to be the best Pac-12 game available. Who's going to show all these things? We don't know yet. And not only that, but from a streaming perspective, isn't it more about inventory? It's, that's one of the reasons why they're talking to San Diego State and SMU in general. It's just because, you know, it's yeah. it's it's different Well, for the streaming partner. It's like, no, we just need a lot of stuff to throw here for this, and that gives them a significant increase on it. But it's still, and no offense to SMU and San Diego State, but it's still SMU and San Diego State. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Really, really what that yeah. does uh, at all for anything. And that would make me incredibly nervous if I'm a member of either the Four Corners or up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I wrote that last week that they were basically told that to get the money you want out of this or to maximize the deal, you're going to have to add inventory. So that would be, you're right, San Diego State and SMU, which numbers wise would increase the number of games that these partners are bidding on from 75 to 90. That's a 20% increase in gains. That's not necessarily, or at all, 20% increase in value of the contract, but there's more to bid on, especially for like an Amazon, which is subscription-based. Uh, by the way, don't let anybody tell you anything. Uh, Amazon does not publicly release its number of subscribers. There's Prime, there's Amazon Prime, Within that, there's Prime Video subscribers. Mm -hmm. So nobody really knows how many subscribers they have. Um, so uh, there's so much to unpack there on that side. So, yeah, so you've got that. Um, and you've got the fact that I think just from a technological standpoint, I think the ad, look, we're at, a, we're at a place in our country where the average viewer views that. You know, I don't know if you have Netflix or Amazon or mm -hmm. anything else, just pressing that extra button or two, or waiting for that spinning wheel of death to get onto your program is, is a nuisance. Um, and there are people that won't watch it because what do I have to do to get this? How much do I have to pay? And the people that will really freak out are the Pac-12 coaches and administrators if it comes to be like that. Their, their product won't be seen, basically. 
I've always wondered this as Dennis Dodd joins us. If if you are um, administration at a current Pac-12 school and you you look around and you are now of a better understanding of of what the climate looks like and what potentially you could get in terms of a dollar amount, has the expansion of the playoff changed their line of thinking at all? And I ask that because if they could get even remotely close um, to what the Big 12 got, just in terms of it was what, like a little over 31, not counting what tournament shares and everything else. Even if you could get close to that with just an, an ESPN and maybe one streamer, are you more comfortable with that even if you're left in, behind in total dollar figures because of the access that is now available because of the expanded playoff format? Yeah, it's less about the money and more about the access to the playoffs and who can see your product. Because when this all ends, it's going to it's going to hash out the same way it has since the beginning of realignment, at least for me, in 2010. Uh, the, the Big Ten's going to be first, the SEC is going to be second, the ACC is going to be third, and the Big 12 or Pac-12 are going to be fourth and fifth. So it doesn't really matter. They'll be close. So the money is the money is what the money is. Um, you just touched on it. I think the biggest thing the Pac-12 has going for it. Is the access to the playoff. Yeah. If you're Deion Sanders, you come from Jackson State with a realistic shot at winning the Pac-12. Uh, if you get it right, and if you win the Pac-12, you're going to the playoffs. If you're a new coach at Arizona State, the youngest coach in ball, Kenny Dillingham, untapped, unrealized potential. We all know about Arizona State, sleeping giant. You win the league, you're in. So it's not not a top four. It's not a you know. In most years, the, the overwhelming majority of years, the Pac-12 champion is going to get in the playoffs. So I think that's the biggest thing they have going for them. And what will sustain them? Um, you know, it, it will be worth it will be worth watching because that champion will be in the playoffs. Did his daughters our guest? So we we had Chad Weiberg on uh, last week, athletic director at Oklahoma State, and I asked him, you know, first six or seven months on the job now for your mark. I mean, you've got to be just over the moon with what he's been able to accomplish in a short amount of time. Uh, and he was, and then we started asking about the aggressive nature. He wouldn't just come out and tell us whether or not that your mark was going to continue to be aggressive, but I'll ask you, is your mark going to continue to be aggressive here? And what yeah. potential options does he have? It, could it include some current members of the Pac-12 if we got to that, I, I don't even know how you phrase it, Dennis, nuclear scenario or just next step in the process? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... I think he's sitting in a rocking chair right now waiting for things to play out in the Pac-12 because the longer they take, I think certain schools in that league, the, the ner more nervous they get because they're worried, why is this taking so long? Why can't we get a deal? Are we going to be seen? Can we recruit after we get this deal? So he's just sitting there. I mean, he, he had three initiatives that he told the ADs when he came in. He said, I want to do a, a new deal early. And that, that, they love that. This is August 1st, he takes office uh, officially. They love that. Okay, I want to get more for the deal without Texas and Oklahoma. And we did with him. He did that. Uh, he said, I want to get, you know, if we can, Texas and OU out early. If we can negotiate it, he did with $100 million in his pocket. And now, stated goal, full-on expansion, uh, whatever he can do, whether that's those four corner schools, whether it includes some 
combination of Gonzaga. I don't know about that with basketball, but he's very, very interested in basketball only with Gonzaga. Uh, and I, I heard this from someone this morning. I think, I think they get pro rata for expansion, which means um, the partners will pay what the current 12 are getting, which is 31.6 million per year. If I'm a, a Pac-12 member, I'd take that and run to the bank right now. <laughs> um, they're going to get that. Uh, you mentioned OU in Texas there. Uh, what, in your opinion, is this scheduling going to look like with the SEC with OU in Texas? Are they going to find a way to get it to nine, which I think there seems like, at least from everything that I've read, more support maybe with the athletic directors in the SEC uh, than there has been before. But then there's this still this this lingering, hey, maybe we should keep it at eight. How ultimately do you think this works itself out? Yeah, I don't know anything for sure. I've seen, you know, we've all seen the, what the, I guess the schedules may look like in form. I do know this: they're whatever they end up doing, it's they're going to play each other home and away uh, over a four-year period. Each team that's that's a, that's a lot. That's achieving a lot. All yeah. sixteen teams will play the other fifteen home and away over a four-year period because they got it because. The situation right now is ridiculous. Georgia's never visited Texas a That's 10 or 11 years. You're not even a conference at that point. Yes. You're just an amalgamation. So you've got to do that. The eight or nine thing, I think it'll end up at nine because it's worth more. Um, the partners, you know, ESPN will pay more for it because those are conference games as opposed to non-conference games. And not all of those are are uh, Oregon, Georgia, if you know what I mean. So they're worth more, uh, especially in the SEC. So I think they'll end up there. Um, I think they'll go to one division. I think everybody will go to one division. We're used to it in the Big 12. Uh, Pac-12 started last year. Uh, there's some others. Uh, American does it, I think, are the only three right now. Just because they all want to get matched their two best teams in the champion for playoff purposes. That's looking, by the way, that's looking, because of it, and playoff, that's looking less and less that it needs to be done. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, if, he, if your best team gets upset in the champ game, you know, it's probably still going to be in if you're power five. And if you're, you know, if you're an American uh, or if you're a group of five team, um, you're only going to have one in anyway. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, 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 that would, uh, that would face, that would, damage their chances. So everybody's going to be a one division. Everybody's going to match their top two ranked teams. I think the other thing at the FEC, the tiebreaker is going to be really, really interesting because you know there's going to be two 11 and one teams there, two 12 and 0 teams, two 10 and two teams that you have to break the tie uh, at that second and third place point to play for the championship. So that's really going to be interesting what they do with that. I'm also curious to see if they do go nine, who the three permanent are, um, because I, yeah, oh, yeah. the dynamic between A&M and Texas anyway is, is enough to write multiple books about, I feel like. Then you've got, yeah. you've got like, for in our case here in Oklahoma, you've got the Sooners, and clearly you're going to throw them with Texas, but then... You know, do you want one regional? Um, is the idea of a cross from another SEC East member or old East member? I, like, it's 
uh, it sounds to me and looks like it could be incredibly complicated because I don't know if you can make everyone happy, Dennis. Someone's going to have to ultimately give up something. Yeah. Well, think about Texas. Texas has to play Oklahoma. Texas has to play Texas A&M, don't they? I mean, and maybe on Thanksgiving again. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. Hate, hate A&M may throw a fit about yeah, that. but. <laughs> well, I know they hate each other's guts, but in, in A&M lost their minds when, when Texas got in. But that has to be everyone wants to play OU, uh, OU Alabama, OU LSU. I mean, what do you, what do, you do with that OU uh, Georgia? What do you do with all those games that like they almost have to be played for rivalry purposes and to maximize the value? So it's going to be really, really interesting. I can't wait. I, I know that we're already skipping way past 2023, but 24, there's been so much change where we finally get to a point of, for the first time in a while, almost what the future of the sport looks like in general. We've just got to wait one more year to get there. But 2024, already just thinking about it, is is absolutely wild that we've seen that much change and that much will happen uh, a year from now. Yeah, uh, all the new contracts will be in place. All the new leagues, well, except for the well, except for the Pac-12 and Big 12. Mm. We don't know what they're going to look like for sure in 24 so that's still to be determined but the biggest thing is uh the playoff will be there and it will be unprecedented um you know, obviously there'll be the there'll be the usual screaming over who got left out but boy at 12 everybody who deserves to play for a championship will be in i think we can say that i mean nobody's going to be left out um the, the power team agreed to it the way it is because they're going to get their three or four if it comes to that, by the way, there's no limit on the amount of teams uh, that they can get in. That was the nature of that language was in there. So <laughs> it's going to be very, very interesting. And another thing I'm working on is um, watch, watch the rules committee this month. I'll just say that. Okay. They are, there are some things out there that are addressing the possibility of playing whatever it is, 16 games. There's already been some research done on that because it's different in the NFL. Um, yet the NCAA got, uh, what is it, 30-something 30, 30 lawsuits uh, that they're fighting in, in the head trauma and health and deaths and stuff like that. I think we're, I, I, I said this yesterday, I don't think I can believe myself. I think we're going to see opt-outs in the playoffs. You know, guys that are at the top. Maybe guys, was it Nick Bosa a few years ago who got um, injured in week three mm-hmm. in Ohio State and just shut it down he yeah. left campus, went to train in Arizona. That's a little bit different. But I think we're going to see opt-outs, um, uh, unless there's maybe NIL money that's too valuable, or something else to watch is revenue sharing. I think there's a chance for the SEC and or the Big Ten to cut off a chunk of those monster TD revenue and start, uh, start paying players, either in a collective bargaining scenario, revenue sharing, and think about if it goes that way. If it, if it isn't agreed to nationwide, the tremendous recruiting advantage that if those two conferences or one of those conferences would have, if they're full on going to share revenue with Yeah, that's fascinating. I had heard the uh, uh, bowl season director talking about presenting a plan where maybe the players got um, instead of the bowl shares going to the conference and then being divvied up, that they would actually go to the players as a way to maybe try to enhance 
some of the guys trying to play in bowl games. I I had heard vaguely about the yeah, plan that you just laid out. That. Yeah, it's 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 wild, right? But I think yeah. that we're in this position where everyone's yeah. trying to do what they feel like uh, they can do to protect their own entities, and and the bowl games are in that position too. So yeah, I I I can't try, wait, man. Try, try telling those yeah, try telling those teams that the count that budget that bowl revenue every year. That, Hey, part of this is going to deploy. <laughs> I know, no, right? No, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason the Big 12 thinks it might it might uh, get close to 50 million per year uh, in their new deal when you include NCAA tournament bowl revenue and playoffs revenue. They're counting on that. Stuff. Yes, yes, they are. Yes, they are. Dennis, great stuff. Thank you so much, sir, for taking a few moments to come on with us. We really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to doing this again sometime soon. All right, very well. Thanks, Matt. Um, thank you. That is uh, Dennis Dodd joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Via the hotline, way to kick things off here on a Valentine's Day. Nothing says Valentine's, Matt, like getting in a little college football chat with Dennis Dodd on the day for your lover. We're going to talk love and Valentine's Day coming up a little bit later. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, Pop. I, uh, I'll i be honest, I thought Dennis was just going to come on for like I don't know, 10 minutes. No, he's good. Yeah. yeah. No, he's good. He, he had a lot of good points. I, I like that little wink, wink, nod, nudge, nudge. Hey, there could be something else coming down from the uh, committees. Yeah. Watch the rules committee. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. No, I'm just... no, no, no. <laughs> all right. I, um, we'll do that. I, I will stand by this. I've said it the last couple of months. With all the change that's going on. Now is the time to get it right. The future oh, of the absolutely. the future of the sport is now. Yeah, get it not, figured out now. Not later. It, they've they've done damage to the future of the sport for long enough. It is time to get things right and to start molding how the sport is going to look 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now, which is going to be remarkably different. All right, it's 135. Uh, are we dialing up young Eli after uh, the break? Yeah, I'm going to call him. Because I know he has break. to be out by 155. What's he got, a hot date? No, he's, he's, he's got something from 2 to 4. Don't know what that means. I'll pry after the break. Yeah, maybe a hot date. You don't know. I, I know somebody that doesn't want to deal with the crowds on Valentine's Day anymore, like night. So they do a nice Valentine's Day lunch or an incredibly early dinner so they don't have to deal with crowds. I'm like, you know what? If you have the schedule to pull that off, then so be it. Large brain move. Uh, or just necessity. Necessity in general. All right, it's 135. We'll take a time out. We'll come back with more next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.